0: Everybody and welcome to Roll It, a movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me, as always, is my co-host Tylor How you doing, Ty? I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. What's going on with you? Oh, not much. Can't complain, I guess. Uh, we're talking about a great movie today, so it's gonna—it's a good day. It's a good day. Agreed. Hi. Agreed. <laughs> so this week we are covering the 2007 film, No Country for Old Men. Written, directed, edited, produced by Joel and Ethan Coen, starring Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, and Tommy Lee Jones. So, Ty, what do you think about this movie?
1: Yeah, I think I think it had some big shoes to fill. Like hearing about it for a long time, and I hadn't uh, I hadn't fully seen all of it. Like I, I thought I did, but I when I watched it back, I how many times? We should start a tally. How many times I think that I've seen a movie and then I watch it <laughs> back and I hadn't really. Yeah. Uh, I never got to the end with this, but I had just seen parts. And a lot of people are all about it. It's, which, I mean, I see why. It's like, the story is, like, phenomenal. And I think it's just so different that mm-hmm. it, it's so, like, creatively different in how they made such a great movie out of a plot line that was used so often, you know? hmm Drugs and money and, and mafia and... Mm-hmm. So to take like a plot that was that has been used so often and just to put it on its head and come away with such a different movie, I think was really awesome. I loved the cast. I loved the characters. I loved the plot. I, I loved how it went. You know, I I don't think. I mean, there's just a lot of death. You know, I lo- like I like how nobody was safe ever, and you always knew that.
0: Yeah, even was- with Llewellyn,
1: like even like. You never, you never fully felt like he was safe. You know, you felt like he was gonna die in a situation, and uh, you know, you just felt like he he could die at any minute. With the sheriff, that was the only time I was surprised. But um, I think it just—I think it was a really well done movie. I don't know how much more you want me to go into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's yeah, that's fine. I just yeah, that, no, that pretty much covers it. No, I, I this movie is uh, so good. Um, I think it's I think it's the Coen Brothers' best movie. Uh, you know, no offense intended to the dude with all due respect, but I think this is uh I think this is their best film and it's just so good. Everything about it, the way they kind of put put all these uh different genres together in these subgenres of like of the western genre and do all these different layers uh I love the adaptation from the novel. Like I think their screenplay was great. Uh Yeah. Did you active. read the novel? No, I didn't read it, but I think oh, okay. their adaptation and it's pretty from what I've read. I it's on my bookshelf, so I really should read it. But from what I've read, it's pretty faithful. Like it's it holds pretty close even though, I mean obviously they wrote you know, they wrote their own screenplay, but it follows the novel pretty closely, you know. Right. Um but even when doing that you can there's still that that Coen Brothers flair that's there, you know, and they kind of put their own put their own spin on things and put their For sure. it's just it's just so well done. Uh and then you have all these themes running through. I love I'm I mean you you know the kind of movies I like. I'm a big fan of movies that have these overarching themes of, you know, life, what life what life means, what humanity is, you know, stuff like that. And so any movie that does that and kind of does it in an interesting way, I'm totally there for it, and I think the Coen brothers definitely do that here. Um yeah, yeah so I guess uh but that being said, this one best picture in two thousand seven uh I still you're gonna think it you're be gonna go to fired up right
1: blood. off the start, huh? <laughs> yeah,
0: I still think it should have gone to There Will Be Blood. I think There will be Blood's better. But I mean, I love I, this movie. I, I think, think there will both be both... 10 out of 10s, you know, but,
1: they're, but yeah, they're both phenomenal movies for sure.
0: But I think everybody blood
1: blood who be... listens to this podcast knows where know where I stand on that.
0: Yeah, I, just, I think there will be blood. It, it's like probably the best movie of the 20th century or not twentieth 21st century. Uh, if not, it's like right up there and not not to say that no, no country not up there too, but I just think there will be blood so good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, regardless, it's not like it was an unworthy Best Picture winner, but it just had right. stiff competition. Um, all right. Yeah. So. Tough
1: competition, but you know, <laughs> The Will Blood was better. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, come on now.
0: I mean, he did one for Best Actor, of course, because, uh, I mean, how could you not give him Best Actor for that? But this isn't a The Will Be Blood podcast, so.
1: I... I can think of, yeah, anyways,
0: anyways. All right, all right, let me do the summary and then we'll uh, move on. In 1980 West Texas, Lella Moss is out hunting when he comes across a drug deal gone wrong and finds a a briefcase full of cash along with it. He takes the money home, but soon goes back to take water to one of the dying men he found. While there, he's ran down by one of the gangs that was coming back for the money, but but is able to escape. Llewellyn sends his wife to her mother's while he goes on the run with the money. But now he's also being tracked by another man looking for the money, Anton Shiger. Shiger chases Moss throughout West Texas, having a shootout and injuring both at one point. All this time, Sheriff Ed Tom Bell is attempting to figure out what's going on and track both men down. Moss is killed by the Mexican gang looking for the money, and Bell almost comes face to face with Shiger, who showed up to find the money after Moss's death. Sugar then finds Moss's wife, kills her to quote keep his word, and soon after is hit by a car, but is able to limp off before authorities arrive. A retired e- sheriff, Ed Tom Bell, sits at his kitchen table, and talks about two dreams he had about his father, and a movie. So,
1: I want to start. I want to start with the questions this time, Ryan.
0: All right, all right, all right. Hit me, Ty.
1: So. What do you think about the ending? Because I know a lot of people love the movie, but they've been divided on the ending.
0: You know, I was going to ask you the same exact question, so we were on the same page. Tonight. Oh,
1: great minds.
0: I, I love the ending. I think, like I was talking about before, it's such a great way to turn the genre on its head. You know what I mean? Like, most people go into, I mean, this is obviously uh, a neo-Western, but... A, what usually an, you know an action or western movie people go in and they're they're expecting the final like a final shootout between the hero and the villain or a final scene that climaxes you know what I mean something they're waiting for the wah wah, wah. yeah they're waiting for the good the bad and the <laughs> ugly shootout exactly and this doesn't do that I mean our protagonist dies off screen by a nameless gang and we. that's just the way it is his wife dies off screen and the the villain gets away and so we never get that kind of that climax moment that we were closure yeah that closure that we were waiting for the whole time like right i can't think of another movie that kills off your protagonist with 20 minutes left off screen by a by a nameless enemy that you don't even know who they are it's just such a crazy choice, but it it just works for this movie and I love that about this movie and the way it kind of it turns that on its head and doesn't do the traditional the traditional ending because that's not what this movie's about you know what I mean and yeah this, I
1: think I think uh, most westerns you know like you were saying they have that climatic point that closure that that winner and a loser kind of mentality to it. Where this is like a, it's a slow, it's a slow fade out as the violin, phase, like, plays, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, yeah, that, that's the best way, like, it's a fade out ending. I don't necessarily love it, like, those kind of endings, because I do like having that closure, you know, mm-hmm. in some movies. But with this, I think it worked out so well, because everything was so, def- like, everything was so, uh, black and white, I guess, like you have Shigor or Sugar, as Lou Allen calls him, uh, who who's just out like he's a menace and he's out to kill people and he wants his money and that's like the that's the main prior like priority for him. So you almost think that at the end of the movie you're gonna see some you're gonna see some kind of thing that you're like, well villains never win And uh, you're going to see something happen where it it just all makes sense. And even after the car crash, you know, Mm -hmm. and no, it's just, he pays the kid off, grabs a shirt and limps off into the distance. And then that's it. And then you hear the sheriff talking about the dreams. And then that's the end of the movie. And you're just kind of like, wait, but I I don't know. I I think it just worked really well with this because like you said, it's a neo-Western it's just everything done better and different, <laughs> really. That's kind of what a neo-Western should kind of are, you know? Yeah, and it's Yeah. Um, so,
0: yeah, like a neo-Western is... It's a Western, but it's told in the... In a modern age, you know, with... Right. And not the Western setting. And in, like, time... In the time sense of the setting. I don't, um,
1: and I don't even know... You might have said this, but this is in 1980. Yeah, this is so.
0: 1980, yeah. So... And so what you were just talking about, that is why I think it works. The ending works so well is because so much of this movie, or there's the theme of justice in this movie. And we don't get like normally by the end of the movie, there's in a Western, whether it be a traditional Western, like a classic Western, white hat, black hat, Western, there's some kind of justice, usually law abiding. That's the better of, you know, the outlaw and then or mm-hmm. in the revisionist Western, when that's more focused on the outlaw or outcast of society, um, where kind of the morals are a little more blurry. There's still some kind of justice for those who did something wrong. And here. It does neither of those things, it's kind of just showing that sometimes there isn't justice, sometimes justice isn't part of a person's fate. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's just not the way it works out. And, you know, kind of...
1: Sometimes you get heads, sometimes you get tails.
0: Yeah, so... I guess, uh, what do I want to talk about here in terms of justice? Um, (laughs) Where to start, where to (laughs) start? So, of course, we have, like, the coin, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how a bunch of our... Or a bunch of characters that we see find... What Shiger sees is justice. He sees that coin as giving justice. You know what I mean,
1: right? Um, he he thinks it's fair and just. Like that's how he looks at. That's how how, how he looks at the world. I guess.
0: Right. He sees. So it's just like. Uh, what does I mean? I'd
1: say that's equality. Shiger has this like equality about him, and he he's a guy who does what he says, keeps his word, and if he gives people chances he gives them all the same chance
0: yeah and it's kind of like i mean of course that you can't help but uh think about harvey dent when you know you're watching this which came out a year later the dark knight came out a year later than this but two 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 uh psychopaths flipping a coin to decide who lives or dies within two years in two great yeah. movies what are the chances um but two so, phenomenal
1: two of the best movies of the last 20 years
0: yeah yeah true Um, but no, so like, I think Shiger is like showing that maybe there's no, there's no cosmic justice, but still our decisions, the decisions we made lead to our fates, whatever that fate may be, whether it's, you know, actually just or not, it's still part of our fate and... He's just kind of... He sees himself as executing said fate. And that's what he sees as right. justice, I guess. I don't know.
1: I, I I totally... I mean, like... Well, he's not he's not out for justice, but he does live... Like, his code of life, I guess, has justice in it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like Woody Harrelson was talking about. He's like, he has principles, or you could call them principles, and they transcend money and everything else. Uh... And that's kind of his, even after, like, even after Llewellyn was dead, he's like, no, nope, it's quote unquote, the, like, I have to go and kill his wife because that's, right, you know, because he, he didn't take the deal. So now I have to kill his wife, even though everything's over. I have the money. He's dead. Got to be done because that's, you know, well, got, it's, <laughs> I yeah, it, I mean, it here. just goes back
1: to, does it matter what I say or I mean, does it matter what I do if I go and kill his wife? No, it, de- it doesn't matter in the grand scheme. Like I'm still making off with the money and I'm still the winner here. But it matters to the integrity of my word.
0: Yeah. And that's like yeah, it's some twisted sense of that. Um Yeah.
1: I'm not saying that's how I personally look at. it. I'm <laughs> just saying I feel like that's I feel like that's what went through Shagor's uh mind.
0: No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not some I'm not some psychopath over here I and mean, just <laughs> Being like, I oh, yeah, nope, definitely agree. Understood every movie made.
0: Um, and then I like to tie into that that our decisions are leading to that our fates. Uh, of course, he has that whole thing about the coin. Um, so of course, the flip is deciding the person's fate, but he talks about like, hey, I'm not, I'm not deciding, I got here the same way as the coin did. The coin took a journey and mm-hmm. it's deciding itself, like, we got here the same way. The coins. <laughs> It's the coin, I guess the coin's fate to decide your fate. You know what I mean? Like, he has no say in it. That's just the way it is. And that's when he's saying, like, oh, everybody always says you don't have to do this. But, hey, it's not my call, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really is. Let's be honest. But he's like. That
1: was was probably one of the most sick and twisted lines that I actually laughed at.
0: Oh, did you laugh at that? When
1: she's like, yeah, when she's like, you don't have to do this. And he, like, rolls his eyes. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like. (laughs) Everybody always says I don't have to do this.
0: But in the sense that like he represents uh, like death and fate, you know what I mean? In that sense, when right. you look at him in that way, then that kind of works is to be like, you know, oh, you don't have like if you're talking to fate or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you don't have to do this. Like it doesn't have to be like this, but like, hey, this is your fate. This is the way things worked out. And whatever you say or do. It doesn't change the decisions that were made in the past to come to this point. Just like the coin, just like sugar, just like your fate. Right. So, I guess that's enough for justice. Um, But, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff tied
1: into there. Is it ever enough for justice?
0: (laughs) No, because justice is impossible in a world with humans. True justice. (laughs) Do you want to talk about good and evil, or... The way they mess around with the Western genre, you pick, Ty. Whew.
1: Um are we just gonna skip over Shigor's uh, haircut though?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that was that was the eighties look, right? And I don't know. You know who he looks like,
1: look. uh, dude? Hold on. You know who he looks like? <laughs> Let <laughs> me just bring it up real fast. <laughs> oh like? man. Uh, I had to do a quick little typey typey. The dude from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide.
0: Oh, Coconut Head.
1: Coconut Head, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that's exactly who it is.
0: Yep, yep, it is. Um,
1: whenever I first saw him, I was like, "Who's this fool?" <laughs> uh, so, fun fact: if you if you actually go to his, um, if you go to Javier Bardem, Anton Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. Um if you scroll all the way down, it says related art- articles. First related article is Pageboy, a hairstyle.
0: Oh, there you go.
1: But anyways, yeah.
0: What do, what were the options that
1: you actually wanted to dig into regarding themes and such? Well, uh, I actually really
0: <laughs> I was going we were going to talk about westerns good and evil, but actually let's talk cuz you already asked me about the ending. But let's talk I mean, we talked about what we thought of the ending and like how it worked, but what about his dreams? What do you think about the dreams he had? What do those mean?
1: So, I actually, I listened to them, I knew you were going to ask this question. (laughs) And I listened to them both, like, very intently. And and it's funny because it just, it, I I don't know, it's almost like there's almost too much to pack, but there's not enough. To unpack it at the same, time,
0: you know? <laughs> it's very much like that. Yes,
1: like I don't know how else to describe it. Like it, you're, you listen to it and you're like, "Damn!" But then you try to explain it and you're like, "Damn, I, I don't know." It's you like, know,
0: it's like one of those song lyrics. It's like, "Wow, that was so deep." And then you're like, "Wait, what does it actually mean?" And then you're like, "Oh, yeah, I get it, exactly." And then you're like, "Oh, I get it." And then you're like, "Do I? Is that what it means?" It's pretty much. It's, like it's
1: like you feel like you understand something, but then when you're asked to describe how you know, what it means or, or what it is that you understand. You're just like at a loss.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So I listened to it twice because I was like, Ryan's going to dig his heels into this one. <laughs> and uh, I I don't like, I, I think the significance of it is just that I, I dude, I really, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like whatever I'm going to say is going to be like, sound like dumb. Because it's one of those things that when you watch it in the context of everything you kind of understand it. it but just, when you're talking about go
0: ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, it just like feels right in the context.
1: In the context it feels right, but when you just try to if you if you take it out and try to dissect it, it doesn't really make any sense.
0: Alright, I'm gonna try. He's to. having a
1: dream he's having a dream about his father who's older than he is
0: in no, this dream. Young, who's or who's
1: dead. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> well yeah his father who's dead but who is um younger than he ever was yeah right so Tommy Lee Jones or the the sheriff is older than his dad had ever been mm-hmm. and he's still having this dream where his dad is like the authority figure in his life and i i mean i I'll let you try to describe it i'm interested to hear what you have to say and uh i did have some notes on this but it it like like it's just really difficult to try to talk about i guess but it doesn't feel like it's difficult to talk about when you're watching it like if we had this conversation two minutes after it ended i might have a better uh might have a better answer for you
0: yeah but it's Um, deep and shallow at
1: the same time and i just don't know what to say
0: so there's two dreams and the first one he says he he met his he met his father in town or something and his dad gave him money but then he lost it and he doesn't remember how he lost it, and doesn't really remember much of that dream and that's it so uh like you could read this as possibly read this as or one way um him
1: <laughs> I love all these appendix <laughs> like appendix to your you could read this possibly uh you could read the reading of this one way is
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta give the disclaimer um yeah (laughs) so so tommy lee jones or ed tom bell he takes responsibility for Llewellyn moss when carla calls him the one time she's like if i tell you where he's at will you protect him and he's like yeah and but he's not able to Llewellyn dies and so he's kind of he's given this responsibility and he's given this and just like i guess it would translate to the rest of his career. He's given this responsibility to to protect people. And right. He's uh you know put into that's that's the money that he's given from his father because his father's passed on. His father was a lawman before him and he's passed on this responsibility to look after this whatever precious cargo, quote unquote. And then he lost it and he doesn't know how he lost it. That's you know he doesn't remember and that's the way it is and that's just the way that's the things that happen, and that's what he kind of feels – he feels responsible for, but I think that's also, like, him moving on past that. Like, he knows that there's nothing he can do about it, and that's why he's moving on past that one. You know what I mean?
1: This kind of brings up uh, a theme that I kind of caught through, too, with the – you know, we talked about Shigur's uh, like, chance that he gives everybody or, like, the flipping of the coin or or all all of that stuff. Um, it's, it's just like the inevitability of it. Like it is the way it is kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, you know, yeah. like, oh, go ahead.
0: Now I was going to say that relates to the second dream, but if you were going to keep going, go ahead.
1: Oh, well, I, yeah, I mean, we can get, like, like the whole give it, So, and I think that goes back to, um, at the start of the movie, it's the sheriff narrating about how his father was the sheriff and. He was the sheriff at the same time his father was the sheriff of two different counties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like his dad passed on this to him, and he almost didn't get that closure, like losing the money. You don't get the closure of spending the money or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You you just you get something, and you think it's powerful, but then you lose it, and it doesn't really matter one way or another.
0: Yeah. yeah it doesn't, In
1: the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter how you lost it. It's still lost.
1: Right. Like you were. Exactly. You were like he didn't get the, he didn't get the satisfaction of catching Shigure before he retired.
0: Right. Because the world's passed him by. I mean, there's, there's too much evil and too much, uh, terribleness in the world that he can't understand. So he just had to move on and, you know, like put it, put it behind him. Like his, uh, like, I think it's his cousin that he's talking to the one with all the cats. And he's like, all the time you try to get back what's been taken from you, more's going out the door and eventually you just gotta get a tourniquet on it. There's at right. some point you gotta as they say, cut cut your losses. You can't you can't get you can't get that money back. Once it's been lost, sometimes it's just lost, you know? And, it's just
1: yeah, what's done is done. You have to keep moving on, time waits for no man. There's a whole bunch of, you know, yeah, exactly. Cliche.
0: Uh and then that kind of relates to the second one. The the second one is more I mean, it ties into the title of the movie and what we were just talking about. And so it's his father, He, him and his father are riding in what he says in like olden times. Um, so they're on horseback and he comes across his father and his father's carrying a uh, fire and a horn. And then his father goes on ahead into the, he says, to go build a fire uh, in the cold and the dark. All that cold and all that dark. So... This one, you can read, as like, it's his father, since, like you said earlier, his father died years before how old he is now, Tommy Lee Jones, and right. that's, he's seeing his father, he, it's him coming to peace with the fact that this is no country for old men, you're gonna die soon, you know, right. uh, and you're gonna, you know, eventually meet up, meet with your father again, who's made the darkness of eternity this the mysteriousness of eternity in this cold dark place welcoming to you you know what i mean he you know he's up ahead waiting to greet you um yeah he
1: he he blazed the path kind of in a way
0: exactly so like that's i read that it's kind of like he's kind of at peace because he knows his father's his father's already crossed that threshold into the unknown and he knows his father's up there waiting for him but, yeah, I think that's that's how I can read those two dreams and how they relate to the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah. And, it t- I mean, it ties into the same thing that I said at the other dream, too. It's just, like, it's inevitable, um, you know? hmm Yeah. To, like, it's going different. forward, moving forward, going, going to start the fire and all that cold and all that dark. It's just, like, there's always going to be a head somewhere, somehow, mm-hmm. too. Um, whether you wait for it or not. Like, just, like, the title, there's no country for old men. Like, it's just, like, hey, nothing, nothing's around forever kind of deal. And th- it's kind of cool that they use that title, too, in, like, a Western that is, you know, a lot of times drawn for the old folk. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, but
0: nobody lives too long in Westerns. Seems to be a going theme. And well,
1: I, nobody lives too long in the 30s, either.
0: Well, true. Um, <laughs> but... But I mean, I think that's why. That's of course why it's. And then you have that when they're having that discussion that ties in with one of my theme, that good and evil theme. I want to get to in a minute. Uh, when he's talking to his cousin there, and his cousin's like, "Yeah, he died." They're talking about his aunt, their uncle, or uh, and he's like, "Yeah, he died. Died on his porch when you know, whatever the Indians came um, to whatever settle a score or something. I don't remember." And yeah he's like, that's, you know, that's why this is, he's like, this, this country's hard on people. And it's, it's, I can't remember what the wording he uses, but he says, this country's hard on people. And it's always been that way. What you're, what you're dealing with, like in terms of like sugar, what you're dealing with is, isn't something new. It's always been like this. And that's when he tells the story of the uncle and how he died well before, you know, he was old, of course
1: it's it's kind of like the same thought as like all no problems are new problems they're just different yeah I, don't know if you, I I i like i feel like there's a way better cliche of saying that but um <laughs> they're just manifested
0: like, in a different way
1: yeah i mean it's it's like like history repeats itself i guess is the cliche that i'm looking for
0: yeah and it's like he he thinks i mean the whole movie is uh, Cause I mean, it starts out with that, with those nice wide shots of this the expansive like West Texas, um, and which I loved. It reminded me, <laughs> of course, it did, but it reminded me so much of Red Dead too, because
1: yeah, you were um, really into Red Dead Redemption,
0: so good. Just in I mean, general, whew, Chef's kiss. Um, You're but, like, hey, we don't have enough time for that. Time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so like the whole the whole point the whole theme of, or one of the big themes of uh, that game is that 's the end of the wild west, and society is encroaching on this wild wild western lifestyle and that's that 's kind of like the backdrop to a lot of westerns but it 's interesting here how they have these shots in nineteen eighty you know a century after most westerns are set and these these nice wide wide angle shots of these expansive planes, but their're inner they're Cut through with like telephone poles or telephone wires, uh, roads, fences, all kinds of man-made things to show this kind right. of, which is a big thing in Westerns. But it, like I said, it was a century after of this, of this battle between uh, humanity and nature, you know, and man mm-hmm. trying to kind of wrestle nature and force, I don't know what word I'm looking for, force society onto it, force humanity onto it. Um, force morality onto it when humanity humanity itself is lacking in those things. There's there's some things you just can't wrestle out of. Something. You know what I mean? There's
1: Na- I mean, it, yeah, nature is nature. Nature
0: is inherently chaotic and there's evil in nature and you can't get that out of there. That's just the way it is.
1: And I mean, and that almost kind of goes back to like the, nature is inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, to just to tie back into that theme, too. Um, but if we can't touch on the cinematography just a bit, wow. Huh?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean...
1: <laughs> Dude, it was it was so good. I think I've said that for every Coen Brothers flick that we've done, though.
0: Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's all Deacons. So, I mean, that guy... Yeah. I mean, we talked about him. We've talked about him in a bunch of episodes, I think, because um, he did...
1: And he also is the... Uh, He's also the uh, cinematographer for 1917,
0: I think. Yeah, that's yeah. We talked about him extensively yeah. in that because that was yeah. that was mainly about that cinematography. Was,
1: that was yeah. That was like his most recent, um, yeah. I guess trophy, definitely. If you want to call it that.
0: But yeah, those. I mean, those shots are gorgeous. You have those, and then it's also balanced with. I mean you got the wide-angle shots like that with the expansive Texas uh, wilderness. And then they're balanced with all these close-up shots of the characters. So you only get the character in a lot of shots. You don't get any other characters in the shot. No background characters. And then you have a lot of high-angle, a lot of low-angle to kind of disassociate you with the character. It's just like everything about this is so... It's just shot so well. And so it just...
1: I mean, I, I loved all the, um, and I loved every time like the, it was like a tight shot too, uh, because they were used sparingly throughout this film and a good, and and I think that worked well too, because there was always so much going on, but the detail shots just really, um, I don't know, I guess just wrapped everything together. And I, I think, you know, this, this isn't necessarily film work, but, uh, uh cow killer is that was i don't even know the correct term for that weapon because oh, it's oh, so
0: the air compressor thing yeah
1: <laughs> rarely the air, it's an air compressor With the yeah rocket. whatever it is but um you you don't even necessarily know exactly what that is until that's three-quarter of the way through the film yeah
0: when he when tommy lee jones explains
1: when it. when the sheriff's yeah. talking to yeah uh so all those tight shots of that happening, uh, like him controlling the air, turning it on and off, him dragging that at the beginning of the movie, um, just—I mean, I don't know—I just thought that was like a really creative way to keep the excitement going. But uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going off with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I guess the moral of that story is the cinematography is great, and yeah, uh, Deegan's, Deegan's killed it knocks it out of the park once again i mean i think he's done like every coen brothers movie since like i don't know the mid 90s or no yeah maybe earlier than that I'm not i mean he's movies. like they're he barton fink and that was in the early 90s yeah either way he's done every coen brothers movie for like the past 30 years so yeah and you know coen's always have great cinematography and this this might be their best one in terms of cinematography
1: I, th- I mean, I definitely think this is the best cinematic film that the Coen brothers have done that we have had on the podcast, and we've had three. Um,
0: have we? What do we do? The Big Lebowski.
1: The Big Lebowski, this, and... Uh, oh,
0: oh, Brother.
1: Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Which oh, yeah. is a tight second, I will say. The Big Lebowski was more about the, the comedy and theme of it, I think, overall, than the cinematography. Yeah. And I think in oh brother and uh in this one the cinematography plays in into the it has such like a intertwined role in the movie you know
0: mm-hmm. it plays into the themes
1: yeah, yeah for sure
0: but yeah so i guess uh i guess we were talking about good and evil Sure. good I'll and bad
1: black that. and white um yeah that's what we were gonna kind of jump back into well um,
0: Actually, let's talk about Western first because then it'll come into then the Western part will come into play in the good and evil discussion. Okay. So, like I said wah, earlier, wah, wah. <laughs> like I said earlier, this this is a neo-Western, but it also it it incorporates both like aspects of the traditional classic Western and the revisionist Western. So, in the classic Western. Uh, like I said, there there's these, like, usually man-made structures cutting across the, the wilderness and out, you know, the whatever, the rough terrain, trying to show man's kind of wrangling with nature. You have your white hat-black hat dichotomy, which we get in Ed Tom Bell and Anton Chigurh, who's decked out in all black, and the sheriff's, of course, wearing a white hat. And, you know, you could probably call that thing on... Uh, and Tom Chigurh's head a hat. I don't know, it's something. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely something.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, so we have those those kind of things in there. And these kind of traditional ways the characters act a little bit in that way. Like, Sugar's is just seemingly, like he shoots that bird, you know, for no reason. That's t- something totally typical of like a western villain to do. Also, it made me think of... I don't know if you've seen Racing Arizona. If you haven't, you really need to. It's the Coen, it's one of the Cohen brothers' earlier uh movies. I and haven't. No. It's Nick Cage playing a great role. Fantastic role. You got to get on it. Um Does anyway, he ever
1: play not fantastic roles? <laughs>
0: that's I mean true. Even that's if it's be a bad argued. role. <laughs> Even if it's a bad role, it's good if Nick Cage is playing it. <laughs> My guy. Ah. Uh, but there's a scene in there with like one of the the one bad guy who, like shoots at a lizard and kills it for no reason. But I just that made me think of that because it was the same exact thing that Chigurh does. But anyway, um, so we have stuff like that that kind of relates it to the classic western, and then we have the revisionist western, which is those are the movies like uh, you're, Django. You're good, it focuses on the outlaw and the outliers, like. Like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, The Wild Bunch, uh, uh, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, stuff that kind of mixes up the moral gray area. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's no quote good guy quote bad guy. There's these morally gray heroes and villains, and that is portrayed by Llewellyn Moss, who kind of gets into this, gets into this scheme, but he's trying to. He just falls into this and then he's trying to navigate it the best he can. He takes mm-hmm. the money when he probably, you know what I mean? Like it'd probably be wise not to get involved, but then he goes back and takes the water back because he feels like it's his, like he needs to do that. Right. And it's, he's kind of that moral gray. You're still rooting for him. He's still the hero. He's still our protagonist, but you know what I mean? He's kind of the outsider of society. The movie's told in a way for you to root for them.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, just like Butch Cassidy and Sundance were outlaw train robbers, the Wild Bunch is a group of outlaws. Good, the Bad, the Ugly. There's no good guy in that. Well, the good, but he, even Clint Eastwood is not wholly good in that movie. Right. Everybody's kind of.
1: Every everybody's f- has flaws.
0: Everybody has flaws, and they're all in a way out for themselves. And it's these small decisions that they make that kind of separate them. Right. Um, but yeah, and there's, so we got Llewellyn Moss and there, but so as opposed to like the classic Western where justice, I think I said this earlier, justice is usually in the term of, in the form of like law and like the sheriff taking down the bad guy Mm -hmm. and the shootout, the okay corral. But in, in a revisionist, it's more that there's just, there's some form of justice, you know, that comes to whoever. It's maybe maybe not legal justice, maybe not, you know, due process, whatever. But like, there's some kind of cosmic justice in a way. You know what I mean? Everybody, like, usually they get what they're get what they're due, and that's definitely
1: karma. It, it's it's like the idea of karma almost.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, and it just and like you like you were saying earlier, it gives a form of closure. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's there's justice that's served in one way or another and this kind of this movie kind of takes both of those and kind of flips them there's still a type of justice in some forms but it's like anton schweiger style of justice you know what i right. mean it's this right. justice of fate like you can't get away from your fate but in terms of like getting what you deserve that's a different story you know yeah um and yeah I guess that's that's the interesting way they kind of flip it on their flip it on its head there's no justice in their traditional sense
1: right and I mean there's uh this this kind of when we were talking about this idea of closure at the end or that trailing off kind of thing um I know I've said this before but hell or high water a movie on Netflix have you watched it yet
0: but no I haven't
1: I think we talked about it on one of our quick reels, which we do every so often. They release on Fridays when we do them. But uh, it's another neo-Western. And it's this sheriff who's retiring. And he wants one last charade at catching bank robbers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Spoiler alert, by the way, if you're going to get upset about that. But um, these two brothers who commit all these bank robberies, at the end, the sheriff only catches one of them and there's no trace back to the other brother who was only doing the younger brother who was only, they only robbed the banks for his good basically. So he could have this land for his kids. And um, so there's that sense of mixed closure, right? Like they did catch somebody who was involved in these robberies, but they didn't get both parties. And the sheriff knew that the other guy was involved in some way, but there was nothing tying him back to it. And when he went and talked to him, he was trying to get that closure and it never came. And uh, I think that's like a nice inter- intermediary between uh, No Country for Old Men and something like uh, like an old classic Western white hat, black hat, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It's Shootout more of style. like there's, there's a form of justice, but in a way it's almost like it's like the uh, stealing bread to feed your family. And then you're like, oh, well, would that be justice if I killed this guy for robbing a bank or whatever? Right uh, when he's just doing this to help his kids, or it's, I don't know, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm just guessing something along those lines. Right. So, like, would that would that be true justice if you know if you took him in? But uh, I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to fill me in because uh, I haven't seen that. You should but it see the movie. Like it's a great movie.
1: It's a great movie. And since we're you know we're heavy on the neo westerns, you might as well take a gander and watch it. But um, I I think you know like. Yeah, I think that's the uh, uneasiness too behind all this is that you have – you ha- in this movie, you have black and white. You have a good guy. You have a bad guy. You have a guy that wants justice and a guy that's delivering justice kind of in a way. But he's obviously on the wrong side of the law. And you – so you you have the two parties, right? But it just ends in this gray mix. And you're like, well, does he end up dying? Like what happens to Chigurh? You know what I mean? Like – there's all these questions about him and then you have the what
0: he gets off
1: yeah i mean yeah yeah. but when he's like walking away or those are what you're thinking like is he gonna get off is he is this how he like gets Mm -hmm. found out you know kind of deal um a lot of money for a shirt but you know uh
0: but i feel like that's one more thing like that's his those are like his principles because he's like can i give me your shirt yeah and he's like i'll give you money and the kid's like oh you can just have it mister that's yeah he's like that's a lot of yeah he still gives him the money it's like this weird sense of like that one he lives
1: by he does have principles but they're not as they're not as moral as what some people would or they're not what some people would call like good moral principles
0: yeah they're just the ones he lives it's just his code like no i'm i'm taking this so there but then he steals like medicine and syringes from them drugstore after he blew up a car and doesn't pay for those it's just like weird but yeah um
1: it's like he shoves it to the man but like for the real like the personal people he's like hey i get it it's a struggle here you go we're all yeah. gonna buy uh, even like even <laughs> with the guy that well even with the guy at the gas station you know what i mean
0: well yeah but that's another to... one okay oh, go ahead now i was gonna say that's another one that's like weird because he's like so his reasoning as because he says uh, the the or the gas station guy's like, well, what what am I putting up? And he's like, well, you're putting up everything. You've been putting, you've been putting up your whole life. And he's right. like, well, what are you what are you talking about? And like in Sugar's eyes, is like, oh, this guy got handed this gas station, so he didn't, you know, I don't know, work for what he has or something. I don't know. Uh, but in in his weird like quote unquote moral compass. He's like, oh, this guy's a phony, and you know he's been he's been faking it his whole life, and this is you know either this is his fate catching up with him, something like that. I don't know what right. did you read it like?
1: I read it kind of like that. Yeah, it's um, but even then, like he has like he obviously knew that it wasn't right that that guy had everything that he had, you know, and yep. he dissected it down to how he got to where he had he's like oh so you married into it you know
0: yeah he's like well you can put it that way we just moved in here like four years ago yeah
1: i know and he's like you married into it (laughs) and because he's the guy of like he you know say what you want about him but he seems like he's a guy who's like worked to where he's gotten Mm
0: -hmm. whether
1: that's by killing people or not so he he has this idea that these principles should be followed like working hard good work you know what i mean like staying true to whatever you believe in so on Mm -hmm. so forth kind of deal and he thinks that this guy just kind of got the easy way in and is now like living large like oh how much do you own here you know oh all of it and uh he's like well i'm gonna give this guy the same chance that i would give you know a guy who actually did work for who i might kill kind of deal you know yeah um like call it like and he'll he'll never call it because that's unfair you know what i mean yeah and uh give him the chance gotta give him the chance yeah (laughs) And Hot Diggity, I did laugh out loud when he was like, he gave him the coin and he's like, uh, he's like, put it in your pocket. He's like, don't put it in that pocket where it's going to get lost with all the other coins.
0: And he's like, put it away. He's like, don't put it in your pocket. (laughs) It's like, it gets mixed up, which that that was another one of those lines that's like makes you think because he's like, "Uh, well, don't put it in your pocket It'll get mixed in with all the other coins until it becomes just another coin. Right. Which it is. It's like what is? What are you? What are you talking about, dude?
1: Right. It's like what do you mean? Like it is just another coin, but it's also
0: not. You know. But I guess the the way I read it, after thinking about it, I read it as like this is this was a decision, or this was one of those decisions that you make in your life that saved your life. You know right. what I mean? Just like when Llewellyn Moss is talking about it, some things you do and you can't take back. Every decision, and like he says at the end with the coin, he's like, oh, it just took the same path I did here. Um, every decision you make leads you to where you are in your life. Right. And that coin is one of those decisions. And he's like, oh, once it gets put in with all those other decisions, it's just another decision. It'll get mixed up with all those and just be another decision. And he's like, well, which it is. It's almost like he, he, he
1: yeah, he understands that everything is like, and I think that goes back to the like his guide of principles or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, like, he lives by these and dies by these rules, right? And it's not a big deal, but it also is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But it it kind of
1: reminds me of, uh, you know, when we were talking about, well, at least Chagor stands for something. It's kind of like the Coen Brothers uh, other movie, The Big Lebowski. What, what's the nihilist quote? It's like, uh, say what you want about.
0: Oh, say what you, uh, it's, uh, uh, John Goodman says, he's like, say what you will about the national socialists, but at least, yeah. it's, but at least it's an ethos.
1: Yeah. At uh, least they have, at least they believe in something, man.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah.
1: But it's almost like that. It's almost like that kind of way of thinking, you know, it's like, at least he, at least he has something he's following. He's not just going out and he's not like a
0: nihilist. Yeah. And w- and at some points it seems like he's that, but he's not, you know right. what I mean? It, at some yeah. points it seems like he's, he's doing it just like just because well, like and let's no talk reason. and
1: let's talk about this like the sheriff is a perfect example of that when what's that when he's in the sheriff's room
0: mhm
1: and he doesn't kill him
0: oh yeah when he comes and try like to look at the crime scene yeah
1: right um no 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 when he's in the sheriff's hotel room
0: no that's the crime scene oh okay. no and he sits on the bed for a minute just to like yeah, that's the crime scene. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Because he crime, went yeah. to look for the money in the vents, and that's he right. sees the vent on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right, right, go ahead.
1: yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep.
0: No, and that's go ahead. It. Like, like oh. he had the,
1: he had like when when he was in that scene, he had the opportunity to kill the sheriff. Right. But he didn't because he had no reason to. You know. Mm,
0: true. Unless the where where, came where like,
1: right? But where um. He, I mean, like, he kills a lot of people, but he only kills people that he has reason to kill in he his, in his view. worthy to kill.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, even like when he, so the first person you see him kills the, the deputy or whatever mm-hmm. that arrests him. The only reason he kills him is because he felt wronged by his decision to arrest him, basically.
0: Well, you he know. kills, he also kills two people with vehicles for no reason. <laughs> Besides that, they have vehicles. Um, but anyway, that's. I guess, cars. yeah. <laughs> well, well I, let's yeah. Move I mean, from, uh, he kills oh, a lot sugar. of people. <laughs> he does kill a lot of people. <laughs> um, let's. I just want to touch on good and evil, uh, real quick, because it kind of it relates to the, uh, the Western uh, subgenres we were talking about. So, like the whole movie, it starts off with this narration, and kind of ends with Bell talking about this is he wants obviously like yearning for the past. He wants this clearly defined good and evil to be back. right? Which you could see in the, in the classic Westerns to be like, quote unquote, like it was, but then he, I mean, like his cousin says, he's like, ah, that's, you know, that's the way it always has been. You know, there's, it's, uh, it's no different now than it was. It's just, uh, in a different form or something. You right. know what I mean? It's pretty much to that effect. Something like that. It's, it's just like, evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Evil's, evil's always been there. And it just, it just looks different sometimes. Right. Um, well, he's like, what you got ain't nothing new. And, and I think he realizes that by the end. And that's, I think why he retires. He's like, I just can't deal with this kind of, this kind of evil that I know won't revert back or won't, even though it wasn't originally that, but won't be that clearly defined evil. There's just this, you know, messiness in life. And he's like, I just can't, I just don't want to deal with it. Right. Um, and then, so obviously him and Shiger, like the good and evil, like we were talking about earlier. And I thought it was interesting. There's a couple scenes where they're mirrored as being the same, uh, like either very similar or the same it's when so Shiger goes into Llewellyn's house after he leaves and he takes the milk out of the fridge and he sits down on the couch just is drinking milk and it shows him drinking milk and then it shows his reflection in the like the blank tv screen right as he's sitting there and then like whatever a couple scenes later we see the sheriff come in pours himself a glass of milk and sits in the same spot and we see that same reflection on that tv like and it's it's kind of showing like how similar these men are like um they both i guess you could say they both are kind of looking for justice or either i don't know i or living by principles i guess and are seeking justice in one form or another and it shows just how close that he's the one like tommy lee jones is the one looking for this uh clearly defined good and evil that once was uh, and I think that's those scenes show that like how close the good and evil are now, you know what I mean, right, and that's how close good and evil have always been. there's never been a big divider, it's the same they're not too far off from each other
1: there's yeah the, that fraction that separates good and evil, I guess is the
0: yeah there's it's pretty small,
1: yeah, yeah, no, I don't know, I don't want to get into this whole new topic. <laughs>
0: Uh, what are you gonna bring? In? I was
1: gonna say. Speaking of good and bad, uh, Llewellyn's kind of interesting in the way that he goes about it because he does some good and bad things, you know. But he seems to be that neutral party. I don't know. Like he, yeah. He,
0: and I think, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I, I was, was just gonna go say. I think that's interesting because he he has both in him. He's almost the gray area where the sheriff and Shigor are the black and white.
0: Oh, totally. And that's why he's the revisionist western here. Right. He's the outsider. He's like he's still your protagonist. He's still the one you're rooting for. But like he doesn't do everything perfect. He's not the moral exemplar that the shit that uh Tommy Lee Jones is, you know. Right. Uh but
1: he's like he's also not the evil that Shigor is. Exactly.
0: He lives he doesn't want to hurt anybody, you know. He's living by he's trying to do what's right, you know, most of the time, but he just makes decisions that aren't the best sometimes. You know what I mean? And but he's still like you're still supposed to believe he's a good person. It's just like nobody well, is that nobody is that clear cut to find. Most of us fall into that area where he's at. We're not perfect, but we're not evil and we're right. somewhere in the middle.
1: And even from the beginning of the movie, okay, he took the money, right? Yeah. And he went home and he was laying there and he had oh, he was laying in bed for a long time and then he was like, "No, I got to do what's right. I got to get that guy some water."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and then that kind of just launched him into the into it even more and in, in, even deeper you know
0: yeah and it's interesting that the the thing that he does good like the moral good he does is what gets him into trouble it's his it's his wanting to do good that gets him into the trouble because he right. would have got off scot-free well i guess the tracker was in there but they would have never known to go look in there and to find where he's you know what i mean right. so he probably would have been gone forever um but but so that's just that's just an interesting thing like it wasn't it wasn't the morally gray thing he did it was the good thing he tried to do that got it ended up getting him into the mess exactly but but like he says he's like once you do once you do something you can't take it back that's just the way it is and that taking the money was the Ball that got it all rolling, which caused him to make the decision later on to go back. You know what I mean? It was all—it's all connected, like Shigure says. It's all—it's all part of your fate. So it's all kind of one thing, and it just gets mixed up with the other—the other coins. Totally agree. I guess we're uh, we're we're about an hour. So uh, you want to call it good on this one?
1: I guess I guess we can. That's why I was like, I don't know if I should even bring up the whole like Llewellyn, good bad. Mix of great, yeah. man, But we got through that pretty quick. Um, yeah. No, we can we can put a wrap on it.
0: All right. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, yeah, and That's yeah. that.
1: So bye. Um,
0: <laughs> ten out of ten for me on this one.
1: I give it a t- yeah. I mean, yeah. I I was floating between nine nine and a half, but I mean, I'll give it a nine and a half. I'll stay a little different from you.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Nine and a half. All right, well, I guess. At least I I get some
1: closure and there will be blood.
0: (laughs) You just, out of spite, you're giving this one half a star to us All right, well, uh, what do we have uh, next week, Ty?
1: Next week, diving back into the 90s. The year that these two legends that you're listening to right now are born, 1994. The classic, Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah, diving back into Tarantino. We haven't done uh, a Tarantino We haven't done any license. old
1: QT movie in a while.
0: No, I think Django, and that was like the first week we released episodes. We,
1: I know, and we were like, hey, we gotta keep it slow about the uh, Tarantino. All right, <laughs> Can't like be we don't want to, we don't want to do too many. Here we are <laughs> on our third Coen Brothers. We got our second Tarantino coming up. Well, the other option was also Tarantino, so it was kind of inevitable.
0: Yeah, no, we had Tarantino on the mind, so but yeah, we went going with Pulp Fiction, one of my favorites of all time. So I can't wait to dive into that one. I'm pretty
1: yeah, excited. it's gonna be that's gonna be a good episode. I'm really looking into it, uh, looking forward to it because there's just so much to look like dive into with it.
0: So Ty, Now that we got that out of the way, how can people uh, keep track of us and get a hold of us?
1: Um, We each keep a tracker in our bags of cash. (laughs) And
0: (laughs) that we carry around at all times.
1: That we carry around at all times. Um, But if you don't have that special device, if you can't kill somebody for it, you'll have to just settle for Twitter and Instagram. And we're at roll podcast on both of those. So um, we update you on movies that we're doing, movies that we're recording, movies that we're watching um, and on Instagram specifically, you can get—that's where you can get our qu- uh, quick reels, which uh, we do every once in a while when the time's just right and the full moon's out. We'll sit down and talk about just whatever. We do an Instagram live, we record it. It's a quick reel. We throw it up unedited um, on the old podcast world. Yeah. But if you're more old school than that, if you're a Tommy Lee, jo- Tommy Lee Jones type, you can get at us on uh, email at a gmail and it's just roll at podcast at gmail.com am i missing anything ryan
0: no i think that just about does it yeah i'm trying i took over the uh, instagram duties i know
1: she stole right away from me (laughs) i'm gonna have to change the password i'm trying
0: to post more on all of our social media so like you know try to be more interactive so you know give us a follow and uh we're, we're trying to put out trying to put out more content so hopefully uh you guys like that
1: what Ryan's saying what Ryan's saying is Ty was doing a poor job at managing I mean the Instagram. I, was, I was doing a poor job at managing and, the Twitter
0: but now I'm trying to get them both on track. put it that way. Sure. <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, I guess that'll do it and uh, we will see y'all next week with Pulp Fiction.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I don't have a witty uh, I don't have a woody line this week. Bye.